It's the new. It's the new. It's the new. We're feeling it. I'm, I feel new. I'm, Do you feel new? We gotta I feel, feel new. I feel brand new. Brand new. Brand spanking new. <laughs> all new. All different. All the time. We're kind of the same. But kind of the same. Yeah. But it's the new. Yeah. If you tell yourself it's, it's new. new, then like you'll believe that it's new. Yeah, it's reborn. We could say, you know, it's the podcast re, reborn. Yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean anything different. But for real this time. But for real, you know, it's back. Not that old stuff. We're doing it right no. this time. We're doing it right this time. Yeah, none of the, right. you know, same old. I wouldn't call them mistakes, but you know, we're not gonna, you know, be what's the expression? Treading water. Yeah, the expression. We're not going to be treading water. We're not going to be, you know, bullshitting before the opening like I am now. Yeah. This is Son all new. We're ruining it. We, we've already messed it up. Shit. Shit. Take fuck. two. Oh, welcome to the new Pod Charles Cinecast. The presented new. by the Breadcrumbs Collective and Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster. And I am here today with, we're not giving little names because it's the new Pod Charles Cinecast. It's the new. He's we're just getting a name. It's Phil, what's up, Phil? Get named. I don't need a fucking title, bro. I am because I am. I am what I am. I am what I am. Yeah, what's up, Phil? Phil the Sailor Man. What's up? It's the new back. The cinema's open and it's new. We're showing new movies. Yeah, finally. There you go. Yeah. I made the connection. Phil's got a new title with the cinema as well. So that's like, he does have a title. It's not it's just not for the podcast anymore. New, I do, but he's got a new it's title a new. at the cinema. I'm a new. I'm gonna try and put new in every sentence. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the newly crowned DM, the duty manager. You know, yeah. If you need help, if you come in and you need fucking ticket swap to something, and front of house is like, yeah, I just need to go get my manager. <laughs> it might be me coming out. Uh-oh. You never know. <laughs> Uh oh shit! Uh-oh. I mean, I already told you someone recognized my because nobody can recognize. I was gonna say nobody could recognize me because of the mark. Nobody could recognize me because I'm on a fucking podcast. Yeah, and you, they can't see me anyway. They can only hear my voice. But one dude recognized me, and he was very nice. He was like, "I, sorry, like I, I just I listen to podcasts, and I think I recognize your voice." Nice. And I'm like, "I'm Phil. I'm Phil from the podcast." <laughs> um, I didn't know how else to introduce myself. Yeah. Um, well, thank but he you, was very nice. Really yeah, nice. thank you. Didn't catch his name because I didn't care. Um, hey, but this he, is the new pod, Charles, in the cast. We care. New, we care. We don't this care. Time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but that was before <laughs> we became the new pod, Charles, in the cast. I oh, was okay. still on the in the headspace of like, you know, you it's nice to have out. fans, but I don't need to know them. Yeah. Sorry. Now I do. Now no, I'll no, remember you, to be no, like, you what's your name? Yeah, what's your name? And I'll write it down. And next time I record, I'll be like, shout out to this person. Yeah. For saying something nice. Speaking of shout outs, we can start doing shout outs soon. Um, over on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Hey, support the new Pod Charles Cinecast. We're giving you new episodes every week full of new material that we've never done before. Uh, it's a brand new arc as well over here at the Pod Charles Cinecast. Uh, so, yeah, you can go check us out. You can uh, support the podcast for $5 or more a month, and you get bonus episodes that are all new. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, we've got, like, some great stuff over there in the archives, plus there'll be new episodes. We're going to promise you at least one 
bonus episode over on Patreon New bonus for a month. Episode. And then also we're going to try to uh, we're going to try to rejig it with the whole Breadcrumbs Collective. We're going to bring everything together. We're going to be launching our new show franchise as well. Uh, our pal Petros, he's, he's over there at Caged In Pod. He, he's a part of the Breadcrumbs Collective. If he wants to throw us any bonus stuff, we can throw it on there as well. And as well, but he's got his own Patreon as well. So we're not going to cross streams too much if he wants to keep his stuff over there. Fair enough. And we've also got Ariane's show, uh, A Drip Town Limery, Maine. She occasionally will uh, pop in with new episodes and we might throw some bonus stuff on there as well from her. Why the it's, fuck not? It's a big family. Breadcrumbs Collective. Yeah, and it's all new. Yeah. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Support the podcast. And also head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Learn about the whole new family. Oh my God. We got a lot of stuff coming. We can't wait. It's going to be really fun. But hey, what's going on here at the Pot Charles Cinecast? Oh my God. It's the new Pot Charles Cinecast. What does that mean? I don't know. If all I'm new, all different, brand new. new. I don't know. It's all new. I really don't know. But what I can tell you is because it's the new Pot Charles Cinecast, we got a interesting new arc for the show. It will take us throughout this summer maybe like i don't even know maybe even the autumn it's a lot of it's weeks white boy ahead. summer it's, it's a, a white boy summer weeks ahead for us inspired by the prince charles cinema summer seasons with a couple of directors so new little thing we're going to be trying to do because hey this is real talk here all new all new real talk all new real talk here uh i kind of get tired of episodes that aren't really evergreen i want you guys to like you know, be able to listen from the top to bottom and, uh, you know, it be fresh anytime you listen to it. So that's what we're going to try to do. We'll give out any sort of bonus things that we need you guys to know about from the Prince Charles Cinemas program. But for the most part, you guys know what's going on over there. And half the stuff is selling out so quick that what's the point of telling you about it? You know already. So <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we're going to be doing going forward is inspired by the program which is what we always kind of did anyway but this time it's a little bit more like hey we got a couple of seasons going on at the same time at the prince charles cinema and i kind of felt like it'd be a little bit more fun to just kind of like talk about talk about them at our own leisure not keeping to in particular what's going on that said week at the prince charles cinema um Mm. and we're gonna see how that goes and inspired by the PCC Summer Seasons with directors Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson. We introduce Woo-hoo. our new arc, Anderson versus Anderson. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Welcome back. So, Phil, each week on Anderson versus the Anderson <laughs> on the new podcast podcast, we're going to go through each film from each director. We're going to be ping-ponging between each man. An example, one week it's going to be a PTA film. The next week it's going to be a Wes Anderson film. Why are we doing this? Well, both directors are celebrating 25 years in professional filmmaking this year with each of their debuts dropping in 1996. Both directors have roughly the same amount of films with Wes Anderson at nine and PTA at eight. And many of those came out in the same year. Yeah. They mirror each other, their career. Yeah. At the end of this year, each director is going to release a brand new feature film that we can look forward to 
and speculate on and maybe even review down the line. Who knows? Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. I'll be there first opening day. I'm going to fucking see that new PTA movie. <laughs> I can wait on the French Dispatch. You can already <laughs> tell the tone. Yeah. Of we're, that, we're, we're who I like more. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither make similar films for the most part. Both directors have daddy issues. So that's kind of like a Tell me about it. mirroring sort of thing going on. And finally, why are we really doing this? Because both are named Anderson. Duh. Come on. It's right there. It's plain and simple. It's, right it's in your face. Why not? You got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. Right? So. Yeah. So last week on the old Pod Charles Cinecast, we're not gonna, <laughs> really going to talk about that too much because that was no, that's no, old. No. old news. Yeah. Old news. Old. Uh, we discussed Heart 8. The 1996 debut feature of Paul Thomas Anderson. Mind you, it was very convoluted and weird, the surroundings of the episode. I don't know what those two guys were doing. Um, you know, I don't have much recollection yeah, of last week. I don't really honest. know what was going on. So apologies yeah. if you listened to that, but we had a slightly coherent section where we talked about Heart 8. Heart 8 was developed off the back of a 1993 short film by a PTA called Cigarettes and Coffee. And it's a film that was received well critically, but it made only a little over $200,000 at the box office off a $3 million budget. We'll discuss more about PTA's early days next week. But the consensus between myself and Phil, uh, if I'm not, I don't want to speak for Phil, but I kind of felt like, you know, we both saw some promise down the line there, but like, you know, we mm. didn't necessarily love Heart 8. Uh, yeah, you can speak for me. We're in agreement. <laughs> so we'll move on. because We'll move on. Yeah. Also, as payback to Wes Anderson, because we're going to be going through all the films from now on, we're going to squash his two animation films into one episode, because why not? You know, that's payback. He's He had to make yeah. two animated films, so, you know. He had to. He just had to do it. He just had to do it. <laughs> so they're going to get squashed into one, and that'll be payback for, because uh, no one really cares about um Fantastic Mr. Fox anyway, do they? I don't. I got a story about that. You got to wait weeks and weeks down the line. I'll eventually tell uh, the story. Uh, that's what the new <laughs> podcast in the car is going to be? Just empty promises. <laughs> empty promises. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, you know, oh, we're going to get to the episode and you'll be like, nah, I don't. Uh, nah, I don't I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> uh, nah, nah, too much. Too much. Maybe on the old Well, this week on Anderson versus Anderson, we're turning our attention to the king of twee filmmaking, the master of symmetrical framing, and the director with one of the most sweetheart fan bases, Wes Anderson. That is so true. true. Oh my God, you guys. They're very, when we do all night, they are so sweet. Oh my God. Super sweet. I mean, I love it. I'm not even like, it's, it makes it one of the better shifts because it's long as, it's all get out, man. It is so long. Those yeah. uh, Wes Anderson marathons. But it makes it more bearable when the people are really nice and you know they're not going to be problematic or anything, you know. Because yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, the opposite screen can be yeah. kind of intense if it's like, yeah. I don't know. A perfect Arnold's all-nighter is like a West all-nighter. <laughs> yeah. A perfect all-nighter is like West and Disney. Yeah. Not to, I'm not saying to watch that, you know, subjective, but of just fan base. I mean, the Disney people are a little intense. Yeah. But they're very sweet. They tend to pick up after themselves. Lord of the Rings is okay. pretty chill as well, to be honest. Most of those guys are pretty chill. Fair enough. Yeah. And they have it easy because they're only watching three movies. Yeah. So you only have two breaks. That's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So this week we're going to discuss Wes Anderson's debut feature of would-be criminals and high school hysterically wrong. Phil, <laughs> what film are we talking about today? Bottle rocket. <laughs> Bottle rocket. Preparation was good, you know. I think that's your specialty. Thank you, because if I said that one, it would sound like bragging. Obviously good quickness. Yeah, in and out pretty fast. Real fast. Including the coin collection and the earrings. You took the earrings, Dignan? I bought the earrings for my mother on her birthday. Maybe we should have robbed your house. You ever think of that? Three outstanding young men. Bob Mapplethorpe, potential getaway driver. Go. I really want to be a part of this team. And I'm the only one with a car. That's good. That's good. Because that hits me right here. I'm Anthony. You speak English? It's amazing how close you can get to a girl when you're not allowed to talk to her. And my name's Dignan, man. You in the army, yes? No, no, I just have short hair. We are a team. I, I can't focus no, unless the gun, gun is on the table. We well, just paid for it. Shut up. Excuse me. Are the explosives really necessary? Upon his release from a mental hospital following a spell of mental exhaustion, the direction was <laughs> Anthony. I know what that's about, man. I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to wherever you was at. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, played by Luke Wilson, hooks back up with his (laughs) far less sane and always scheming friend Dignan, Owen Wilson. Dignan. Dignan has hatched a harebrained scheme for an as-yet-unspecified crime spree. 75 years. (laughs) That somehow involves this former boss, this supposedly legendary Mr. Henry, played by James Caan, with their pathetic pal Bob, played by Robert (laughs) Musgrave, Helping foot the bill for pretty much everything, Anthony and Dignan pull a job and go on the lam where Anthony finds love with motel maid Inez, played by Lumi Cavazos. When our boys finally hook up with Mr. Henry, the ensuing escapade turns out to be far from what anyone expected. It's the 1996 heist comedy and debut film written and directed by Wes Anderson and co-written by Owen Wilson. Phil, hot takes out the gate. Hot take. All new hot take. <laughs> this, is, uh, it, this is a new one for me, to be honest. Before we even uh, talked about doing this, I, just, I happened to pick it up. I got the Criterion. Yeah. And weirdly enough, we picked up, me and Dusty, they had like a deal. We picked up Punch Truck Love and Bottle Rocket, and we're going we're gonna to try and start a little Criterion collection. Because she was like, you have to see it, you have to see it. And then the only West movie I hadn't seen and I went in with low expectations because, like, it's the first film. Yeah. I'll give him benefit of doubt. And I was like, but I was also high hope because I, I tend to not like it. You know, I like his style, but it, you know, his stuff has tipped over for me and become mostly about style as yeah. opposed to content. And he used to be able to do a nice balance of the two. Mm-hmm. at least in the early stuff. But I was really surprised how good Bottle Rocket is. Like, not just good for a first feature, like, really good. Again, it's fresh, to so take this with a grain of salt, but, like, 
I think it's up there with one of his better ones. Yeah. Um, I think it's just really, it's well observed and it's so small and relatable and sweet and just kind of a lovely little film, really easy to watch, really fun to watch. Mm. Insightful without it being like, um, you know, hitting you over the head. It's not a, like a dissection of anything. You know, he, Luke Orton comes now of a mental talent, but it's not like they really dive into that. But when they do mention it, it's quite, uh, it, it's really interesting. And it just, it's really good at just picking out the small moments in life and in relationships that like, like really matter and are big, are really defi- like defining. And I, just, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I was surprised how much <laughs> I enjoyed it. And you you recommended it to me for a long time as well. Yeah. So I was glad to finally watch it. And now I've, I think that was the last one. I've seen all his movies now. Nice. Um, but it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Very cool movie. I absolutely love this film. Very uh, Napoleon Dynamite as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got those vibes for sure, but a little bit more serious. Like something yeah. you can like, look back on and still like, I think find a lot of fun and, and not feel kind of mm. weird about like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, you know, we, we still had fun with it when we, you know, watched it on the old Patrol scene. Just. But, uh, the old, we don't talk about, the but old. yeah, we, you know, it, it was still one of those that was just still a bit goofy. Like, you know, it was hard to like, kind of take serious, like, you know, 15 years later, or however long it's been, mm. but like, you know, with auto rocket, you know, it's like, 25 years and it's still like holds up i feel it's like a solid little movie really held up it's a, it's interesting we we should i should have done this a little bit earlier but you know it's fine we can you know trying something new here so <laughs> trying to figure ourselves <laughs> out as new, we go yeah but i i, I did want to ask like you know uh because you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier that you're probably leaning more a little bit into being in the paul thomas anderson camp Whereas I probably sure. lean into being a little bit more of a Wes Anderson fan. I, you know, I'll say that I was before you elaborate, I'll, I'll just say that like, I like Paul Thomas Anderson's films well enough, but not all of them, or at least I'm not too sure about There's a couple embarrassingly enough that I haven't seen yet. So this is another reason oh, to do enough. this, which is perfect. kind of like, yeah, perfect reason. Yeah. It, it, this whole experiment kind of, started with me wanting to kind of go through all the Paul Thomas Anderson films. And then it just kind of turned out that we had Wes Anderson going on at the same time at the cinema. And I was just like, fuck, why not? Wes Anderson, (laughs) Paul Thomas Anderson, Anderson versus Anderson. It just sounded like a lot of fun, something that we could really do. Match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) because we both have leanings towards one or the other, it kind of will make it a little bit fun as we go through. And I also Mm. kind of thought it'd be really fun for us to like, you know, slightly rank them as we go. Like, you know, I feel, sure, yeah, yeah. I feel like we we both like have talked about how much we like this one and how we weren't as big of fans for Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, debut Heartache, feature. Yeah. Um, so it feels like this one's probably got the edge. It, it's it's uh, probably won the week for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, in terms of their first debut feature, yeah. I think Bob Rock is a stronger show. I think yeah. he's there right away, which mm. is crazy. It's like watching like Blood Simple, where you're like, they're there. Yeah. Like yeah. the Cohen brothers just are just need there more already. money, like to really yeah, exactly. get their pastiche across. Like that's like really what's missing from this. But it's almost there. Like the clothes yeah. and stuff, there's like you could tell like they they were just like 
like because there's fun some funny shirts, uh, some interesting like color choices and stuff that are used. I mean the jumpsuit and yeah the, the jumpsuits like so yeah you could see that he's like so close. It's just like if he had just a little bit more money to kind of like just spend on wild like costumes and he just starts to do it from like probably the third film. I mean it it's going to be interesting because like I feel like mm. there's an arc with Wes Anderson films like you and I both have discussed this before as well and it's going to be interesting for us to kind of rewatch them and just reevaluate what we think but like sure. you get to that point like in my opinion you get to that point of like Royal Tenenbaums like just is insane it's so good mm. and then you know Damn I just man. feel like Life Aquatic is just like holy shit Dar- Darjeeling Limited like is holy shit and then it just starts it's to kind of like feel like he he reaches that peak and then I'm with you there starts to go downhill I think he peaked for me right there yeah. right in the middle with Darjeeling and everything after that I've liked less and less yeah which is it's funny though because there's like so many people who are like well into Grand Budapest and uh, which I, I think, don't understand I really don't yeah and I don't know about classic Wes Anderson fans because that's where he really pushed ahead for I mean a little bit with Moonrise but really pushed oh, yeah. ahead into the mainstream with you know Grand Budapest it felt like he became he more did. of a that won all name. the awards yeah 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 so it's kind of an interesting like uh trek that we'll go on and kind of like reevaluate this but that's kind of where my leaning is as we're like in in week one with our first film um technically week two but yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, going week two, I, I think this, I don't know how many times I'm going to lean this way, but for yeah. this one, yeah, I think I'll give it to Bottle Rocket. Um, you know, Part 8 is just a messier movie. It's not quite there yet. And it's, there's not much of it left in his work now. Yeah. Whereas Bottle Rocket, there's plenty of it. It's just turned up to fucking 11 now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm a, I'm outspoken. I'm a PTA guy, man. I've got a fucking inherent vice poster behind me. Yeah. The fucking pink legs. You've seen it. Uh, yeah, I love PTA. One of, if not my favorite uh, director working today. It just he. There's something about. I think it's going to be get get difficult, especially. I think his films go from very commercially entertaining to very. To something quite different and quite deeper, yeah. And I actually prefer the later stuff with PTA, um, but I I in my, I might have trouble describing it because it, I enjoy them so much because uh, they do something to they like I they really affect me in a visceral way, whether it just be the themes or emotions he's touching on. He's touching on something that I really. Relate to I get I guess I'm not I'm not really sure. Hopefully I can mm. dissect myself a little bit through this uh, season. But yeah, so I lean towards his stuff. I just get more out of it with the West Anderson stuff. I get tired of the aesthetic, but yeah. I'm a big fan of the early stuff. Big fan of Royal Tenenbaums and Darjeeling, especially. And yeah, Bottle Rocket I would throw right up there. Yeah. Like it, it fits that mold very nicely, and it has all these other things that, like, I don't always get to see in a movie, like, especially in West, like West Anderson uses Luke and Owen Wilson quite a lot, but never this much together. Yeah, I can't think of another movie that's like centered around the Wilson brothers, and they're both so good. And even you know, I feel like Owen Wilson's had more opportunity to shine as yeah, a lead dramatic guy, even though he kind of went the more comedic route sort of like John C. Riley did yeah um 
but he's well but, more respected for sure. Exactly. Whereas Luke is kind of weird screwball comedies, like you know, he fell into rom com in the two thousand yeah. Legally Blonde and yeah. my super ex girlfriend and yeah, shit like yeah. that. And he was an Anchorman and like, but Luke Wilson is so fucking good. I really he's like such Luke a good Wilson. actor. It's kind of like it's, he it, steals the show. Yeah, he's, he's so really sweet. good in this, and it's it's really entertaining. I think um, we'll get into like, you know, my feelings towards like Paul Thomas Anderson next week um, as we get into mm. Boogie Nights. Yeah, I'll say that like, you know, with Wes Anderson, it's like, it's not even that I like rate him as like, a, you know, one of my, f- it's, it's hard to say. It's me saying that, but then I have a lot of his films on Criterion. Like I, you know, <laughs> got a lot of them. Yeah, they're all um, on Criterion. I, just, I really <laughs> like his movies for the most part. Like I, I was going to say, I, w- I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to rate him as like, you know, one of my top directors, but at the same time, it's like, I do enjoy his films and it's not like in a, any sort of, um, I'm, you know, I'm not the most like uh, intelligent, like person to talk about like filmmaking in general. Like I try not to go to him and I'll leave that up to like, you know, whoever's with me, who's actually going to film school and stuff because Mm. I'm not studied in that sort of way. I just watch (laughs) movies and I know what I like and you know, that's Mm. kind of as far as I go. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of fun, you know, watching his films because he always kind of has like an interesting story. And even if like the over like whelming, like, it, you know, it gets so crazy later, like just mm. how overwhelming like his style is that like. How overwhelmingly it, twee they become. Yeah, it's so twee <laughs> like further mm. down the road that it's just like really, it kind of can be to the detriment of the story a bit, but he's always got some fun, yeah. like quirky, like I love like the quirkiness of his stories. Cause they're always like kind of rooted in fun things. Like this is like a heist movie, like bottle rockets, sure. a heist movie. And it's like so fun, like these robberies and stuff, but just like really stupid characters. That are just <laughs> the like, bookshop robbery. So it's fun. One of my favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah. It's so pathetic. I yeah. love it. So Wes Anderson was born in Texas and as a child, he loved to make some silent films with his dad's super eight camera. So he's one of those kids that used to like kind of mess around with, his friends and born stuff, with making, a camera in the yeah, hand. yeah. <laughs> making some films and stuff but apparently his first ambition was to be a writer so it kind of like makes sense you know just given the fact that he's like you know he is pretty good at writing screenplays i would say and uh you know yeah, with the definitely. people he, and he picks really good people that he works with for the first few films they're going to be talking about him and owen wilson together uh, but then that will change a little bit down the road. We've got some Noah Baumbach to look forward to. We've got uh, oh, shit. Roman yeah. Coppola. So there's a lot of interesting you know, names down the line. But yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. He attended the University of Texas at Austin, and he actually ended up getting a degree in philosophy, which is kind of funny because <laughs> his films could be pretty philosophical as well, like, you know, at least his characters and even if they're like a little bit pretentious at times, like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. And I think that would be kind of funny to like, look at. It's like, offbeat philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Royal Tenenbaums like stinks with it, which is really fun in some ways. Cause I kind of like, you know, families that are just like so dysfunctional that think they're like, it's kind of like squid in the well. You could just like, it's just, oh my God, those, family yeah just like, oh, you guys are so sake. smart and so rich but you're so fucked up yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know better yeah. than anyone well when he was at university of texas at austin this is where he would meet his roommate and future collaborator home wilson in 1989 so they moved in together they're living in a shared apartment in austin where their windows wouldn't shut and the landlord refused <laughs> to fix them and there was like a draft coming in so uh wes anderson uh 
Owen Wilson con- concocted this harebrained scheme to like get their landlord's attention. So on Christmas break, the pair staged a heist. They broke <laughs> into their own apartment and they stole a few things and then they reported it to the police. That's funny. But it didn't work. Because their landlord laughed them off as amateurs and called it an inside job. <laughs> so, he would write. This would uh, serve as the inspiration for Bottle Rocket. Because much like Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson's debut feature was adapted from a short film of the same mm. name. It was called Bottle Rocket. In 1992, Wes Anderson shot his quirky black and white 13-minute short film on a budget of $4,000. And it was co-written by Owen Wilson, produced by indie producer Cynthia Hargrave, who helped him kind of like rein in a budget. And it was set to a snazzy jazz score. And (laughs) similar to the first third of the film, or at least like the first quarter of the of the feature length film, it follows Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson. And then later they introduce uh, Robert Musgrove as uh, Bob. Bob. So they're still Digna and Anthony and Bob. And yeah, they trained to perform a heist by robbing Anthony's house. And then they do the real deal by robbing a bookstore, but it's like, they don't actually go in. Have you seen the bottle rocket, uh, short film? It's on your Blu-ray. It's on your Blu-ray. Oh, so, yeah. You oh, should check cool, it out man. as an extra on the criterion Blu-ray. So yeah, I'll it's also it available online. If anyone wants to check it out, they don't have the criterion cup. I will, I will recommend buying it. This is not like, a um, a uh, ad for Criterion, but it's a you know, fuck. It should be. It's, it's, yeah, it should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, maybe I'll I'll speak fuck to it. somebody. I got a connection there. I'll speak to someone. Fuck it, we do giveaways. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, check out that Criterion collection, uh, Bottle Rocket, because it's really good. Uh, mm. The the short film's pretty fun, man. It's like you can see where they were at. Like even in 1992, they kind of knew where their head was and what they wanted to do with this, and like. They knew the story they were going to tell. It's just like they didn't have quite the money to like actually perform the robbery. Like they just kind of mm. did it clever where they like go in um, similar to like, you know, they do in the film where they're like kind of messing at the door and then <laughs> and then they don't. They're like, hey, are you it. this guy? We need you. We need you. The manager needs you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like they don't actually show the heist, but it's kind of funny. They showed the aftermath of them like sitting at a like a diner outside, just kind of like laughing and just like. And I said, like, "Ooh, what are you doing here?" And just like, <laughs> like really, really funny. Instead of like you know showboating, it was really funny. Yeah, but, that's funny. Yeah, and that's the short. So the short was shown at the 1994 Sundance film festival and it received a ton of praise and it attracted the attention of james l brooks who uh is one of the creators of simpson simpson greatly filmed james l brooks yeah so yeah he would go on to executive produce the feature film under his gracie films banner and he had a deal at the time with columbia pictures for financing and then he also like struck a deal with sony for distribution for him cool yeah, like let's, we can get into a little bit more of the story and the cast and stuff. I mean, originally, Owen Wilson, he had no plans to actually act in, in this film at all, but <laughs> he did. And it ended up being the first feature film for both himself and his brother, Luke Wilson. So this is like their first outing. <laughs> so I can't good, believe man. it. They're, they're both so good. They're so in it excellent. already. It's crazy. Yeah, they're there. They're their character. They're, they are those characters. And obviously, yeah. I think. 
I mean, it's not fair. They have instant chemistry with their fucking brother, and I hope they have fucking chemistry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whether you can capture that is a different question, and he's obviously able to. And it, it, that's what I mean. It's so cool seeing them play off each other. And, like, I I've, have I've rarely get rarely gets do you get a little bit in royal tenenbaum yeah a little but, bit yeah because they're kind of like very restrained yeah. performance in, yeah. in royal tenenbaum this one they get a little more open a little yeah. more vulnerable yeah a little more emotional um and I, again i think that's something with anderson starts to lose which is a shame because the like especially bottle rocket i mean i think all his movies again maybe not recent ones but i think all his movies are about Losing, yeah, essentially, yeah, right? yeah. About he's, the losing, he's got it down and out. Loser, did, yeah. yeah, like these guys, they want to pull off a heist. They're like amateur criminals, and they just can't catch a break. Yeah. They, they literally should be doing anything else but this, like Luke Wilson <laughs> yeah. obviously immediately realizes this. Yeah, that he's not cut out for this, this work. Not he's doing what we it. Be doing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's doing it just to sort of you know please Dignan and Bob is try, just trying to you know get his brother's respect and yeah. there's loads of different layers to it. But there's something really sympathetic about the portrayal of these two brothers that I really appreciate. I, li- I like seeing their arcs because they kind of go in opposite directions. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he said it so beautifully at the end. He's like, "Isn't it funny? You know, you started in a in a in a nut house, and then I ended up in a jail. <laughs> you know, they're like spoilers. Yeah, but like it just I yeah I really I, it wasn't going where I would I expected that but they are so good I can't believe it's their first film I imagine they were like acting for years in shorts that I hadn't seen yeah well, they um, might have done more shorts but um I'm not too sure about that because I'm not too sure how many like shorts like uh Wes Anderson did like prior to and I'm sure they probably did some student stuff and all that but yeah yeah this is like their first actual feature I mean and they, I mean, they were pretty much like in it in the short film as well, to be honest, like, you know, as far as like their characters. But this is like you can really see how fleshed out it is. And it's just like so well yeah. done. I mean, those guys are like, God, they're so good. I mean, like Dignan is like such a fucking great character. <laughs> like He is insane. He's like yeah. a wild card. Um, he's like a wild card, but trying to be a wild. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like a little kid who just like, you know, has no time for anything else and he just gets so wound up, you know? And then it's just like, he can easily just sort of like go off, you know? And it's just like, he needs it his way. Cause he's like the one who's planned it. And it's just like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I gotta yeah. do it. This is me. Yeah. Like, who's who's making the plans around here? Like, who's <laughs> who's planning this thing? I'm holding the gun. I'm holding the gun. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. The whole gun Great. thing, like, it's just so like petty and stuff as well. It's just really funny. And like yeah. Luke Wilson, it's it's kind of interesting. Like his character, uh, Anthony, like at the beginning, the you know, the, breaking out of the yeah, <laughs> breaking the out. Just for dignant, you know. Yeah, he's like, oh, look how excited Benefit. he is! <laughs> like, just like, come on, you look at him. I, I kind of <laughs> promised my friend, you know. Yeah. yeah, just really like how he's, you know, the doctor's just like, yeah, don't go, you know, saving everybody, and it's like, it's kind of that kind of seems like loose at first, but then like later as the film goes on, you kind of see him like he just like puts himself in really like dumb positions just for Dignan. Just like when Dignan yeah, gets yeah. like punked out by friend. Future Man, basically, he just like, oh, yeah. you know, he basically just stands up for him and sort of like, you know, hey man, like, you know, I'll do it. 
but uh, you're gonna give me one of those jumpsuits because it's like there's no <laughs> it's way exactly he actually, what he wants to hear. He thinks the jumpsuit's cool. <laughs> it's like he's just doing that because he wants he he needs to pump him back up, man. You gotta pump your friends up sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> pump like, him up, pump him up. It was so good, man. Uh, which brings us to Future Man, man. Oh my God, this is uh, another. Wilson brother, it's the older Wilson brother, Andrew Wilson, is. Is it? Man. I didn't yeah. realize that. I was like, I, there is another Wilson. Yeah. Have I seen him in anything? And yeah. So yeah, he's uh, he was in a couple of films prior to the. To, so it wasn't his first film role, but he hasn't worked nearly as much as the other guys. But I mean, he's been in quite a few things. I think he's in Whip It. Um, cool. He's also, I believe, possibly in Idiocracy. And he was definitely a Zoolander. He was one of he was either Derek's yeah. um corner guy yeah, or he, he was Hansel's corner guy. I remember we talked about it. I can't remember, but I pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, it's Andrew. It's like, you know, his older brother. But yeah, this is the only film where you can find all three Wilson brothers together in one one movie. Bro, it's um, like the Holy Grail. Yeah. So <laughs> Future Man is hilarious. He's Bob's uh older brother. He's just like a just total a piece of shit. yuppie piece of shit. He's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. He kind of reminds me of the dude from um, Napoleon Dynamite, like the one that I just loved. I can't oh, remember yeah. his name Summer's right now. Boyfriend? Summer's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. he's got that yeah. vibe. <laughs> kind of yeah. Just, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> just so fucking sure of himself. I don't yeah. think I could ever wear. I wouldn't want to. But I don't think I could ever wear a polo shirt again. Yeah. Like again, ever because of the kind of guys that wear them in fucking the fucking movie. Yeah. With a yuppie, yeah. with a fucking polo shirt and a collar flicked up and yeah. a fucking sweater never worn, yeah. like tied around his neck. Yeah, and he's at like a country club, <laughs> and it's like, what do you do? Yeah. like these him and bob are just total leeches off of their parents man like they are just rich they're kids. both losers it's, it's amazing so they're all losers yeah. they just don't realize that yeah it's funny because like nothing more endearing about loser who thinks he's cool yeah you know you know they only hang out with Bob really as well just because he's like rich and he can like he's the money he's the money he's like he's Frank like, from always Sunny. yeah he's he's he paid for the gun and he has he's like the only one that has a car has the car so it's like <laughs> like how do none of you have a car they just, they just drive off them. and leave them in the middle of yeah. fucking nowhere at this motel it's amazing yeah I read something that was kind of interesting about like apart from the family that you do see like you know you have like uh, was Grace or whatever um, Anthony's little sister and then you have oh yeah 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 you have Future Man and Bob but there's not like much family that's being shown like mm. they they I think he purposely thought that like he would he wouldn't explore that dynamic because he felt like parents kind of get a, get in the way, and I think that's him working through his own like sort of weird, you know, problems with his own family. I guess because I think he was a child of divorced parents, so he's like working through that, Fair. and he's like, oh, I don't want parents because they get in the way. But um, he was like, these people are cast aside, like they're they're like. They're, they're like they've been abandoned they've been by abandoned their, own their parents family. gave up on them a long time ago i mean just look at them yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> when anthony is uh showing dignan his like sketchbook you know he's like drawing those like photos he's always drawing these like horrible cartoons <laughs> they're so funny they're, they're so amazing. bad just terrible yeah. okay like, hit the plan <laughs> but he's he's showing them He's showing him the little sketchbook with the guys doing the pole vault. Like that's the first time we ever hear 
Owen Wilson and Co. Wow. 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 Well, did Lando where we were like perfected it? Yeah. I think. Because you described it well where it's like a wow. It's not just wow. Wow. Oh, wow. I forgot we'd get into that. <laughs> the the name Dignan, it uh it comes from Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson's friend, Stephen Dignan, who actually appears in the film as Rob, the guy who was supposed to be in literature. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's um That's a great name. I I really like the name Dignan. Yeah, because it's weird. It's like it's a weird name. It's like Dignan. It sounds like indignant. <laughs> It sounds like it's, it, you know, just one of those words that sound like another word, but aren't quite that word. Yeah. It's like, didn't he, isn't it, that's not his real name in the movie, right? Am I putting that in? Uh, What, Dignan? Yeah, or that is his real name. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's his, like, probably his surname. Like, and it's yeah. just what he's called. Because Yeah, I'm imagining a plot twist for some reason where he's like, <laughs> I think I'm thinking of Shanghai Noon, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where he's like, you know, oh, uh, Roy O'Bannon. Yeah, and at the end, he's speaking of Jackie Chan. He's like, "Could they, you know?" He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to change my name, you know." And he's like, "Oh, my real name is Wired Up." <laughs> and Jackie Chan's like, "That's a terrible name for a cowboy." Amazing. That's a good movie. That's a fucking classic. Well, yeah, I mean, he took the name from a friend though, and you know, I think that comes back up later because I think there was a Tenenbaum in this film, or at least worked on the film. I remember seeing it in the credits, and we were questioning it, and I think that is. Oh, what comes back later where the name Tenenbaum comes from. Uh, we'll get into that in a few weeks. Uh, we have Lumi Cavazos as Inez. Oh my God. I love this side story Wonderful. here. The really it's sweet the best part of the movie. relationship. The, yeah. It's amazing. A theater in the pool. Yeah. Or he's in the pool. <laughs> I love, I mean, I was watching with Dusty and she was like, when that started, she was like, this is my favorite part. And yeah. I would, it would shoot. Right. I think without that, that movie, I'd, don't know if I'm as attached to that movie. I think it's a really sweet side story. Yeah. I love the. It's just it's weird. I tend to not like really convenient reasons. I mean, it's actually, really inconvenient this movie. But I hate when it's like something stupid and small that causes like a big conflict. Yeah. And this one is literally like Owen Wilson miss his the kid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they leave, <laughs> and then that carries for a while until the end. But yeah. I actually quite liked it here. Yeah. Um, no, but their their side story is yeah. very sweet, really and sweet. Luke Wilson just becomes he finally finds his purpose, and he's like, yeah. Learning. He just trailed her around, which is so <laughs> falling in love, right? And like tried to learn the language, yeah. tried to communicate with her, and they just yeah. they see something in each other. And it's sweet. again, yeah. If it, if it's not there, yeah, it's just this weird heist movie with them going there and then coming back. Yeah, again. definitely. Like it, they kind of needed this like purpose when they go out on the lamb because otherwise they, you know, they don't learn anything and they're not like really and they have nothing growing. to lose. Like, yeah. Because it grows so much on that little little journey because especially Anthony, because Anthony, like you said, he finds his purpose. He's like, mm. he's like, she describes it perfectly in, in Spanish of, you know, that he's like a piece of trash that's just blowing in the wind. And it's like, he just comes here and it's like, it sounds better in Spanish. Like, I love that. <laughs> Iraqi. It don't sound as bad in Spanish. Yeah. So good. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. Cause it's just this really sweet relationship that just kind of goes on to define like what, you know, like you see in future films from Wes Anderson, that's type of like head over heels in love. 
just all of the characters mm. that he, you know, writes, like, you know, display. And it's like, it's, it's such like a, like, especially early on, because this film is one of his most real feeling films that it like, it just, yeah, it's yeah. like a visceral feeling. It just feels so That's real. I mean. Everyone's had that sort of feeling of like, oh man, you fall in love with someone and you just like, it's like, it just consumes you. And like the scenes of him, like when they're leaving and he's just like sort of beaten because she's like, oh, I don't want to go with you. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're just like a piece of trash. You know? And he's just yeah. like, oh, like he's just <laughs> so beaten. You know, that, so feeling, defeated, man, yeah. that defeated feeling. It's just like, ah, so funny. It's you. It's very human. It's very universal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like drawing the photo. <laughs> like the little cartoon. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, you know, Nez riding a horse, you know, it's like stardust and sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, Dignan is actually really sweet about the whole thing. He's actually really he supportive is. of it. It's just like, yeah, it's yeah, just the is. whole confusion. Like, it's really funny. I think, again, a smart if if he wasn't and he felt as if that was getting in the way and he tried to, if he tried to sabotage them in any way, that would... You know, that would just make him really unlikable. Yeah. And it, you know, it rides this line where everybody, it, it may be stupid, but they are very likable. Honestly, this movie reminds me a lot of Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah. T- tone down. <laughs> yeah. Tone down. But they're very not, clueless characters for sure. <laughs> yeah. Not nearly as much toilet humor, but yeah. <laughs> even the story, the story is essentially the same. And it's this classic, I don't know why this was big in the 90s, and I don't, I mean, it's how all these directors got their name in subverting the crime genre. You know, Reservoir Dogs, Bottle Rocket, Hard Eight, and Boogie Night. You know, it's like that would seem to be the thing to do in the 90s with like take that genre, infuse it with comedy and like real world situations and clueless characters yeah. and just throw it all together and like see what comes out. Um, and Dumb and Dumb did that really well. Yeah. But it's this thing of like two dumb characters on a road trip. Um, but the you know the sort of crimes don't really matter. They're sort of that's sort of a play on I guess on more Cohen Brothers sort of thing where it's like people have fallen into like this huge conspiracy yeah, yeah. and don't realize that. Definitely. But it just reminded me of that sort of laid back. You know, it's, it's very much a road trip movie, and it's them yeah. going here. That even I mean the same moment when he shows up in the little bike, and it's <laughs> yeah. like you know just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber you know (laughs) you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself it had the same sort of beat definitely Um, done better here yeah but i just wanted to say that now while i remember (laughs) no that's a good Um, good call and there's an actual relationship here where in in dumb and dumber it's completely imagined (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's so one-sided it's so just like i saw this woman i fell in love with her and i just want to (laughs) like take her this briefcase because I'm madly in love with her and it's just like dude chill out chill out chill out bro. yeah let it go <laughs> oh man Lloyd Christmas had Twitter oh, oh god oh. <laughs> he'd just be adding yeah. her all every day <laughs> at Sam tonight got your briefcase yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sequel in there somewhere James Caan Abe Henry oh, I did man. not know James Caan was in this movie and yeah. I was like how the fuck did he get James Caan in his first movie? Yeah. Um, I mean, both of these dudes, both of these Andersons in their first films swinging pretty hard. Yeah. Pretty good yeah. actors in it. Because, I mean, like, you know, Hard Eight. Philip Baker Hall. Like Philip Baker Hall. You got Sam Jackson. It's 
Yeah, Sam Jackson was big hard. already at that point. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is very nice that James Khan had you like perfectly. He'd yeah. spoken about for ages. So and you see the photo, and I didn't even say anything when I yeah. saw the photo. I was like, is that James Khan? <laughs> no, it's not. It's definitely not James Khan. He showed up, and it, it's great. And James Khan yeah. giving it the most James Khan performance. Yeah. And he'd only got a Perfect. few scenes, but he used so well. Like when he yeah. dresses down Future Man. Because <laughs> yeah, like, so someone's got to do it. He's and the, I'm glad it. He's such a tough guy. And it's, it's great. It's like, you know, I just put Thief on sale today. And it's just funny. Like he's. Oh, you know, yeah. He's he's the thief. He's he's the thief. He's this perfect thief that uh, Digna keeps picking him up. He's like, Mr. Henry, you know, all the lawn wranglers. It's just like, a you know, everybody's got to have a front, man. Like, you know, <laughs> it's so good. And like. <laughs> Yeah, it just turns out he's the like most evil piece of shit in this film. It's great. Like he's yeah, yeah. He's using all these people. He's using all these people. He's like, you know, Bob, why are you blogging to this like, you know, country club here? He's just sussing it all out, like, you know, sizing everybody up and like yeah. sending people off. He even does the whole thing of like sitting next to Dignan and just like, hey, like, I don't know, um, you know might not like this, but maybe I should go along with you, you know, like to on the job, just so you have an extra, you know, pair of like eyes and everything. And, you know, just like, it's a big job, you know, I don't know if you want me there. And can you handle it? Yeah. Handle indignant. just like, oh, I think, I think we got it, Mr. Henry. You know, he's so sure of himself. He's like, just pumping he him up to man. do it. <laughs> so yeah. good. And then like, that was smart behind their backs just goes in and robs pop <laughs> just cleans his house out it's so that's gross. the only actual job there it's like well i'm gonna fucking clean out the only rich people in town i'm <laughs> yeah. gonna go what are they robbing i don't they're yeah. robbing like a factory at the end no idea i have no fucking idea so it makes no sense and i love it i love that you get to see the hype but the hype is kind of shit yeah it's great and i love i love so that good. i don't that's not like unsatisfying and that's perfectly satisfying yeah that's exactly yeah because yeah. you still be. you still get like you know a grand sort of like uh, robbery anyway like th- it happens yeah. it's just like it's not the person you think it's a perfect little twist as well it's great like so you're getting you're getting your like you know uh cake and you're getting to eat it too you know like because everyone like everyone loves a heist film. At least we do. Like we've talked about numerous. Yeah, of course. I love a heist film, but like you don't love get shortchanged by the fact that these people don't actually pull off the heist. You get a really entertaining, like wacky heist that doesn't go right. And then you also yeah. get like, Hey, someone actually behind their back steals all of the shit from Bob's house, which is awesome. <laughs> it's great. Perfect. A great yeah. twist on the whole thing. Uh, Bill Murray was actually considered for the role of Mr. Henry, but not yet. Not yet. I like, you know, I love Bill Murray, but man, I, I think Too much. James, James Conn, like he just pulls it off perfectly and we're going to get mm. plenty of Bill Murray, like yeah. future episodes. So literally from the next one, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. fucking wait. Yeah. And it hadn't ended. Had he ever made a movie without Bill Murray? Oh, Darjeeling, Bill Murray, not in Darjeeling. Yeah. I, unless if he's like, if he, he could possibly random. be oh, in a no. random I think he had a cameo yeah, in that movie. random cameo I think he's at the train station yeah it's yeah um so um never never fucking mind that. <laughs> yeah. um is he in Fantastic Mr. Fox 
Yeah, I think he's the voice in that. Okay, so yeah, I think yeah. he's in all of them. Little shout outs here to Jim Pons' Applejack. Applejack's pretty funny. And then, oh my God, one of the show stealers, Kumar Palana, uh, is Kumar in his very first film role, uh, which he will also appear in a couple more Wes Anderson films as well down the line. Um, he he is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, he's passed away Legend. now, unfortunately, but he is oh, really? hilarious. Shit. When it and, came uh, up, I was like, fuck. Uh, I just thought of the terminal because he's so yeah, he's good, really in, the good terminal. in the terminal. Yeah, like really heartbreaking performance. But he's so yeah. funny in this where he'd like go, he you know he's there for the safe and he can't do it, <laughs> yeah. and Owen was like, "You can't do it. You can never do it. You <laughs> he even try." He's like, oh, "I lost my touch." He was like, "You did you ever have a touch to lose?" <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so good. Just an old man who gets yeah. caught up in everything. Just a perfect <laughs> faith to put in there, yeah. you know? Like a perfect present. Because yeah. none of them fit Definitely. in this thing. And he especially doesn't fit this like, old guy. We also had a scene that was cut from the film. I don't know if it's out there. Uh, I didn't check my um, Blu-ray to see if there was any like deleted scenes on there. But it could possibly exist. Uh, Leslie Mann, um, back in 1996, actually went out for this film um and I, well actually she was cast in the film she was one of the this a sorority girl maybe the girlfriend that was discussed uh at the poolside with anthony where that girl comes up and she's like oh anthony i'm like so and so's friend and uh you know he tells oh, you're her, really complicated you try <laughs> yeah. not to be yeah he just like has that whole thing of like oh i just like decided i never wanted to answer another water sports question or see any of these people ever again. <laughs> I love that line. I was like, that's me on like a daily basis. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's I so don't want to sell any ticket ever again. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of these people. <laughs> no, obviously that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Um, but yeah, like, she was asked about it years later, and she said, I, I just read for James L. Brooks on uh, Beautiful Girls in 1996, but he decided not to direct it, and then I didn't do it, but that's how I met James Brooks. And then he brought me in for Bottle Rocket. I worked with Luke and Owen, and Wes directed it. I remember I had a southern accent, and I was in a bikini. I would love to find that just to see how good my body <laughs> looks like to, looked at the time pre-kids, but I haven't been able to. I guess I could ask somebody. Yeah, I don't know if that footage is out there or not, but it'd be kind of funny to see um, a young Leslie Mann. Same year as our, uh, hey man, we're in 1996 Kay. again. Oh my God. We're That's back. the old, we're back. That's the old podcast. Old, old, we're new, back. it's the new. <laughs> we're back in 96. Well, we can go back to the same year. Yeah, I love 96. It's a good year because, oh my God, people were making some damn good movies with damn good soundtracks in 1996. This soundtrack. End of an era. End of an era. Oh, this has a great soundtrack. So I mean, West. Good. All right, West is fucking pretty good. I mean, so is PTA. I was yeah. gonna try and give him a point there, but yeah. fuck, West is good with the soundtrack. I said it last week. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Here. I said I really felt lovely. like he he had his music worked out already. Like that was one thing I did give credit to Hard Eight. The music, the original score is good, and the soundtrack, the needle drops are really good. That's in it. But yeah, man, this film, holy shit. The original score for Bottle Rocket was composed by Devo's Mark Mothersborough. We're going to hear that name over several episodes because Mark Mothersborough is like, you know, frequent collaborator with uh, Wes Anderson, especially in his early films. But it's got a lot of quirky songs that you'll, you know, that set the tone for early Wes Anderson films. But then the needle drops for the soundtrack. Holy cow. You got 2000 Man by the Rolling Stones which is 
so oh, sick. Oh, eat a lot of stones. So yeah. sick. Yeah. He's so like... Sick. My dad used to say this thing all the time about Martin Scorsese that he's got like Mick Jagger's number on speed dial. And like, <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like... Give me know, shelter. Give me shelter. <laughs> give me shelter. <laughs> I feel like Wes Anderson definitely has them as well. It's just like he's always got a yeah. stone song. Uh, Zorro yeah. is back by Oliver Onions, which is like a really sick song. And then one of the best drops in the whole film, Over and Done With by The Proclaimers. Holy shit. When that kicks in, it's just like... Yes. Again, yeah. I was like Dumb and Dumber, Proclaimer. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Were they that big in the yeah. 90s? I thought they only had like a couple songs. And then, yeah, but no, bang yeah. it track. And then, I can't go without saying two songs from the band Love. Both are fucking love, sick. Yeah. Seven and Seven Is. And then also Alone Again or. Both I love that song. Songs are yeah. great. So, yeah, great, great, great. Uh, this film is shot entirely in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Hillsboro, Texas. The scenes at Bob Maplethorpe's house are filmed at the John Gillen residence, which was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. This is the most, like, you know, Wes Anderson set piece that you're going to see in this whole entire film because most most of the film is like it's pretty real. It's pretty like you know he's he's establishing his like shots, you know, his symmetrical shots. Yeah, there's a few the very colors. classic. The, the uh, you can see them coming yeah. because they're looking at a table and you're like, here it comes. Here it fucking comes, that <laughs> yeah. top down view. Come on. Yeah. And then he's got he's, and it happens. He's got uh his his slow-mo into like uh into like normal speed shot as well. It really throws you off oh my God. at the end. It does, but like I would <laughs> Dusty let me know it was coming yeah. at the end. Yeah. And when it's it so did, strange. Was, it's very strange, but when it <laughs> did, I was like, holy shit, that was a good use of it because yeah. again it's one of it's like the the fucking dolly doom shots by clee loved he puts yeah. in every movie west does the slow-mo thing and my favorite again i mean i'm gonna be referencing this movie a lot until we get to it darjeeling when they're yeah. running after the train oh and yeah fucking so this good. time tomorrow is playing yeah, and yeah. you're like oh my god it's so good it's <laughs> so perfect but this one also very yeah. good just owen wilson looking back at them and it's excellent because it nothing it's a, such a small moment that's only made big by a bit of slow-mo i, yeah. I really like it yeah definitely yeah he uses it a lot and he does this shot that i like a lot where he it'll be a two shot and then the camera the character will like move out of frame and the character the camera will like pan to them and make it like a solo like a close-up shot for their yeah. like little monologue yeah, yeah. or whatever and then come back and you make it into the two shot again. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. there's something really nice about that instead of just cutting that into three separate shots. Yeah. You know, it's literally just what you need to see. Um and I like it. He uses yeah. it a lot here. There's one specific one. I think it's when they're playing like uh Oh, when they're playing um uh the tabletop t- game, I yeah, forget what it is. What, uh, what is it called? What is that called? No. Yeah, it's yeah what the fuck is that game called? You, Pinball. Like, what's that? Pinball. Pinball, yeah. Pinball. Jesus, pinball. Yeah, they're playing it? pinball. It's like, yeah. I got one more game left. <laughs> I think it's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That or just after that. Yeah, and yeah. they also, he, he also like implemented the uh, the breaking of the fourth wall where the characters are like, look into the camera and then it like, it changes like perspective to like what they're looking at. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing he does a lot and he already does it in this film. I think like pretty much when uh, Future Man shows up and he's making fun of Dignan on the bike 
and his jumpsuit. <laughs> like, I think him and Anthony look up, and there's just like them looking straight in the camera, and then it just cuts to like Future Man and his stupid douchey friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's wrap up here. Uh, you know, this film, like I said earlier, it was a hit at Sundance. You'd think the full length would be a favorite as well when it returned to the festival, right? Yes. Wrong. 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 Why? The film was Wrong. actually, it had one of the worst test screenings in history at uh, Columbia Pictures at the time. And Sundance actually refused the film because they just thought it sucked. <laughs> so Aww, it's really, it's so charming, you know, like, I don't know how you could watch Boat Rock and be like, fucking hated that. Yeah. Movie. Well, this is the <laughs> original know, so cut. Innocent. So, I don't really know. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did reshoot How different it. it could have been. And, uh, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson rewrote and reshot the entire beginning of the film. I read somewhere else that they reshot the ending uh, and rewrote that as well, but I think it was just the beginning. And, you know, it paid off because, like, you know, the film, you know, it was ultimately released in February of 1996 and it was met with, like, generally positive reviews from critics. The only problem was that it just didn't find an audience. I don't know if it was a part of like just like they just didn't put it in enough theaters or if it was just like you know all these unknown people they you know, 1996 there's a lot of competition as well and it's just like maybe people weren't down with you know a quirky comedy film from an unknown director from with starring a bunch of unknown actors and then james Kahn. it's like you know fair enough what are you gonna do but yeah. it only made $560,000 at the box office on a budget of five million dollars so it didn't make anything and after the movie bombed at the box office, Owen Wilson seriously considered joining the Marines. Really? He looked like a fucking... <laughs> yeah, with that haircut. You know, he got the top. butt cut. Yeah. Looked like he'd already in the Marines. Yeah, he was uh, convinced that, act, he, you know, that acting held no future for him. But he, of course, would stick with it. And so did Wes Anderson, as the pair would go on to co-write Wes Anderson's next film, Rushmore, which we'll be back with in two weeks' time. Woo! But it wasn't all a loss. I mean, in retrospect, like, you know, a lot of people were starting to find this film a little bit more and more and more. And I've, I've seen more and more people talk about it, like, and how much they like it and stuff and um, how it's just, like, different. And some people don't seem to like it as much. You know, I guess people are really into Wes Anderson's films, like, because it doesn't have all the, you know, the hallmarks of, like, what his films have become. But, like, I think if you're, like, a fan of, his early stuff, you sh- you'll definitely like it. And if you're a fan of like uh, just yeah. a silly comedy with like heist implications that don't really pay off, then like definitely that's theirs. Well, I would highly recommend. I think it's very easy to watch and very, yeah, I think there's enough hallmark there. I think if you're attached to Wetlands and you haven't seen it, you can feel comfortable in it, but yeah, it, it's different enough that, you know, it might throw you. Yeah, might throw you a little bit, but <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I think it's a, I think it's I wish it's something he got back to smaller, yeah, more focused stories. Yeah, yeah. If I can, if yeah. I can boil it down to one thing, he can keep all the shots. Yeah, Could, you know, but it, I, that's something I can really. I like to see a little bit of a straighter story from him again, like. Exactly. Kind of, it's just kind of like, fun. I feel like he gets, I feel like now he gets a bunch of ideas for a movie and he just does them all. Yeah. You know? And it's like, just make one, really flesh out one. Yeah. And it can be more effective. His films have kind of like, uh, I, I feel like I've said this on the podcast before about like um, that film Hell Caesar, like the Coen brothers. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, 
I was really excited about that film for years and years because the Coen brothers kept talking about it. Like, oh, we're going to make Hell Caesar and it just never got made. And then they were like, oh, finally, we're going to make it. And then it just wouldn't get made. And then finally <laughs> it comes out and it happens. And then it's just like, kind of it's stuck. just, it's not as good because it's like, it's too short, uh, which is a weird thing. Most of the time I think like films for are too long, Coen but for a Coen brothers yeah. film that like felt like there could have been a little bit more like girth to it. Like the film was only like 90 minutes and you just feel like, oh, like I could have done with another 20 minutes of like actually establishing some of these characters or like, you know, getting mm-hmm. some heart and soul out of them. Because it just turns out it's just like a big like showcase of their friends, like, you know, and it's just like and that's what all these West like at the end feel like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, that's what all these West Anderson films start to feel like after a while. They're just like, you know, there's, yeah, it's just a list. Like you see the trailer for the French dispatch. Yeah. It's It's just a fucking list of people. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about these people. Yeah. If anything, I'm annoyed that there's so many people I like in this movie. Benicio del Toro is in the French dispatch. I'm psyched for that. Have my money. But he, he better not only just be in it for fucking five minutes. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think like about like, you know, you've got like, like, I don't know, we'll get to grand Budapest, but it's just like, there's a lot of jumping around between like characters and stories and stuff. And they do that like quite a bit with moonrise as well. And I just, you know, when you go back to like, you know, Darjeeling, it's about the three brothers. You go back to like Life Aquatic. It's it's about Steve Zissou. It's like his story. And it's just like you have like all these characters around that are supporting and stuff. But it's not like it's just not overwhelmed, like, you know, overwhelming with all the, you know, the people, the crazy cast, like the ensemble. It's just like his films have turned into ensembles and it's just kind of insane. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see where we go from here. But uh, like I said, it's not all a loss though with uh, Bottle Rocket like being like kind of performing bad, at, you know, at the box office. It, it's become a bit of a cult film over the years. And Martin Scorsese has named it one of his favorite films of the 1990s, and that's pretty damn cool. Uh, he gave it a lot of praise and you know liked what Wes Anderson did with the sort of heist crime genre and just like turning it into like a really fun quirky film comedy. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, Phil, next week, turn our attention away from our boy Wes and into, well, to put it lightly, Phil and I are getting into porn <laughs> with Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> to put it bluntly, yeah. Second feature, Boogie Nights. Finally. I mean, it would, it would, it would, it would, <laughs> inevitable. It <could> <laughs> it's, it's, it's inevitable. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. The new Boogie Nights. Phil, um, did you bring a snack? Hope it's alright, we know it's not over But now we're having snack time to maintain status quo Snack time Snack time Yeah, I I did. Do you want to do that quickly? Yeah, the quick, just a quick, uh, we'll end it with snack times. Like, yeah, we're trying out new things here, guys. Uh, It's the new Patrol Syndicast. We'll stop saying that maybe eventually. I don't know. It's the new. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I'm still going to try to keep a little bit to uh, the the films. Um, I've got 
this week. Hot tamales. <laughs> because Hot tamales. At one point, someone does say something about tamales. I can't remember at what point and who says it and whatnot. And I just felt like tamales would be really nice, but they're kind of hard to make and or get in the UK. Um, so I got hot tamales. The next best thing, fierce cinnamon flavored chewy candies. It's a very American uh, uh, sweet. It kind of tastes like, um, what, what's the name of that like fucking chewing gum that's just like straight up cinnamon fire? That's <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Big Red? Big Red chewing gum? Big yeah. Chew? Chewy? Anyway, I'm going to eat some of these. They look like, this is what I should have had for fucking Acura. Look at it, this, man. All these pills. The red pill. Yeah. Yeah. Or a fucking. If we ever do another Intel movie, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. How, how isn't it? Oh, man. They're like fireballs, man. They're really spicy. It's kind of nice. I like a hot tamale. I might go to the cinema sometime this week, and I, maybe I'll take the rest of them with me. Yeah, do it. What do you got? It's Bottle Rocket, and I have. A bottle of water. <laughs> oh man, we're starting off so nicely with the new yeah. by Charles Sinek. Oh yeah, it's kind of stale. Yeah, this is a new by Charles Sinek. Three out of five. So um, we're not like I give it. We're not going to have three out like, of five overlaying arcs of like you know people getting upset about snacks, you know because. You know, that, that'd be absurd. You know, that'd be absurd. That'd no, be that like, would be. That's something the old podcast Yeah, that, like eight to ten weeks of like, you know, payoff of, you know, a couple of idiots complaining about snacks. Um, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about it. Um, that sounds like something amateurs would do. Uh, you're giving your, your uh, water three, out of, three out of five bottle rockets? Yeah. Cool. That sounds right. I'll give hot tamales... Um, uh, I'm four out of five. I kind of like them. They're not my favorite, but they're kind of nice. They're gluten free. They're fat free. Um, pretty tasty. You should get them if you find them in an American store because I think they are an American sweet. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's been uh myself and Phil. You can find yeah. me at Tall for All T A L the number four A L on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find the podcast at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can pop us an email at podcastprincecharlescinema.com. As I said earlier, you can hit us up over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Support the podcast, get bonus episodes. And uh, yeah, we're going to you know, keep on trucking through this. Anderson versus Anderson. Let us know what you think. Are you enjoying the new arc? Hit us up. PCC podcast. Phil, where can people find you? I'm at Faroid Dad on, on the Twitter and uh, in Doug Nemeth on the, on the gram and come say hi. I'm at the cinema all the time. Yeah. Back to work. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, guys, for uh, supporting the cinema as well. Um, I know we've, we're sort of like deviating away from like the weekly rundown of like what's going on in the cinema, but like always go to PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Uh, check out the program there. Get tickets, get membership. Uh, keep supporting the cinema. It's been really nice uh, seeing all the support and love and stuff. Um, if any kind of crazy things come our way or whatever, we'll be sure to let you guys know on the podcast uh when we can and maybe hey look out for some uh little giveaways in the future i'm gonna try to do some stuff uh because there's a lot of wes anderson films over there over on criterion um and maybe some etas as well and uh myself and phil will be happy to give some away if we're allowed to so as always we love you guys 
Thanks for joining us here on the new Pod Charles Cinecast. Um, and the new Pod Charles Cinecast. See you. The new sign off next week <laughs> with Hey Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, a Drooptown Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.